This is the Sound the Foghorn Podcast. Fiala intercepts again, trying to find the handle on it. He does, he scores! What a play by Fiala! Your number one podcast for the Minnesota Wild. Now I'm proud to select with the ninth pick in the 2020 draft from the Ottawa 67s of the OHL, Marco Rossi. Covering their prospects, the NHL, AHL, news, advanced stats, and much more. Sets up Molino, back to Boldy, shoots, and scores! The BC Kid returns home and scores his first. Goes to work for the Wild, centers one, Erickson Eck with a shot, he scores! Jewel Erickson Eck, he's the hero. Poked away Kaprizov, in for a chance to win it, he scores! And now, here are your hosts, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Bach. Sound the Foghorn, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Baki back with you once again. Uh, excited to be here, guys. Two wild games since we last recorded. Slowly and steadily, we're starting to uh, to have the wild play more games between shows. Hopefully, maybe back to some sort of routine here. Um, after, you know, beginning with Friday's game against Anaheim. All things considered, knock on wood. Um, decent still, despite that, still decent amount of stuff to get to today. We should have lots of exciting things mm-hmm. to talk about. Um, but before all that, as we always do, let's just check in on everyone, see how we're doing. Zeke, we'll start with you. How's it going this evening and, and uh, how you been in the last week or so? Yeah, I know I've been, uh, it's been pretty good. Uh, you know, just been hanging out, doing stuff around the house, like pretty much like normal couple of weeks. But like you said, it's, uh, nice to have all the news that's happened the last couple of days that we have more than just talk to than just scraping the barrel and you know legitimate things to talk about and as he said uh, hopefully uh, we'll start uh, you know not having six day breaks between games would be nice for sure yeah i believe by my count it's like six games in the last month or something or five yeah, so they're playing like once every nine. six days basically <laughs> they're basically playing like an nfl schedule yeah right <laughs> yeah and uh, Justin, been a little bit of a chaotic week for you, but uh, story time aside for a second. Other than that, yeah. how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. Got to skate with the oldest yesterday for the first time of the year, and a uh, perfect day to do that. It was so nice out, and we got the rink to ourselves, so just kind of father-son time. And and uh, tomorrow night's his first outdoor game after uh, contracting COVID, so pretty excited for that, and, and excited to finally be able to talk some wild hockey again after what seems like ages. Yeah, it feels like they're playing like preseason games. It just, it just feels weird. Yeah, it, does. it doesn't um, feel like the regular season right now at all. Yeah, but hopefully, we'll, like again, we'll, we'll feel that sense of normal within the season again here, hopefully starting Friday. Um, but as we alluded to uh, just a second ago, it's been kind of a crazy week for you. We don't have much of a prospect update because not a lot of the prospects have been playing. But uh, give us an update and, and give us a story time for the uh, – prospects page update because it was a uh interesting week for for you and your team over there yeah it, it was a little uh frazzling at first it was came out of left field i went to 
sign into the the prospects page to check notifications, whatnot. Just kind of scroll, see if there's any news to post, and came up suspended. I was like, "What the crap is this?" Like, came out left field, no idea why. Uh, put in an appeal for it, and they came back as saying uh, we got suspended for impersonation. Uh, at first, I was like, "Is this something the Wild did, or what did we do wrong?" It was just yeah, basically yeah. Twitter cracking down on accounts that uh, stupid. We're using trademarks and not an official count. Yeah, so, but, but you, you know, know, Mr. Booth can, you know, impersonate yeah, Francisco right. Alchini and Pierre LeBron, yeah. and he doesn't get banned. I mean, granted, they're hilarious. They're great yeah, trolls, yeah. but that's another one doing uh, Dave Pegnota yesterday. But that, <laughs> apparently legitimate impersonation is fine, but it, like borderline impersonation, that's where they, that, that's, that's a right. go no. for them. Yeah, that's crazy how, how Twitterverse works, but. I, at first, I was like, "Oh crap! Are we gonna get the page back? Like, what? What? What do I got to do?" So, I, like I said, I put the appeal in. They came back as saying we got to change basically the account name, the bio, the profile picture, the header, and, and they basically had to accept what I, I had to do something that was acceptable. So we just changed it to MNW Young Guns, changed the profile picture, which was very well done by Pavel Bunyat. Yeah, he did uh, a good job. That yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. And uh, I think uh, as much as it sucked, it was kind of a blessing in disguise because John Reichs, who's the he's the senior manager of digital strategy for the Wild, reached out to me and said, you know, um, hopefully you get your account back, and and if you do, we'll give you some content and likes. And uh, if Sam and Aaron had a part to play in it too, thank you so much because you know, as much as it sucked to go through, this is a blessing in disguise. We got. Got a new uh, layout, uh, same content, but pretty awesome to have that reach out. A little bit of a rebranding, basically. That's exactly, it yeah. rebrand. It's like when the Wild did reverse retros. Now it's just, you know, it's like your, it's like your third jersey. It's the alternate jerseys yeah. released. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. well, glad to have the prospects page back because um, I know myself as well as much the fan base, uh, re, you know, relies yep. on that to to stay in tune with. And maybe those prospects we aren't following as closely. I mean, I think I knew a lot of us knew, you know, how Boldy was doing in BC and, mm-hmm. you know, how Addison's been doing, you know, in Iowa and things like that. But I think, you know, when you go beyond that, you know, how are these other prospects that maybe don't get as much attention right. um, doing? So, yeah, great and to have that back. Reason. Yeah, that was the biggest reason we did it. It wasn't to impersonate anyone. And I think the Wild know that. It was just to throw out what's in the future, what's coming, what may be coming, just a reason for fans to maybe get excited. You never know how these prospects will turn out, but at least they kind of know them before they get here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, again, as we talked about, some exciting stuff happened last week, despite there only being two games. Um, We'll start with what was kind of the focus of our show last week. And it, excuse me, it was uh, previewing the debuts of Marco Rossi and Matt Boldy. And much to our delight, the debuts actually happened. It wasn't a prank. No one got COVID. No one got hurt before the debut. And uh, Marco Rossi and Matt Boley uh, got to make their NHL debuts against the Boston Bruins uh, last week. So let's just kind of walk through that game um, a little bit, maybe talk a little bit about um, just kind of without maybe going too much into the Washington game specifically, but just kind of breaking down as kind of your initial thoughts um, on those two and, and kind of their first their first taste of the NHL. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think this is kind of what a lot of people's, you know, maybe first thoughts were. But uh, my initial, I guess, impression, even though I guess maybe 
Boldy did maybe look a little bit better, maybe showed a little more flash. I think they just both, you know, for the most part, look like they fit in, look like, you know, they didn't look overwhelmed. I mean, even uh, first shift of the game, first game, uh, Ross drew a penalty uh, and got the team on the power play. Like and one second into his shift, got kicked yeah, out of the draw, yeah, exactly. and then Literally. immediately tripped as soon as the puck dropped. Just elite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he had, uh, I think it was on that first power player or one soon after that where uh, Boldy made a nice backhand saucer pass to Matt Dumber oh, for a one-time chance. That was, you know, it's just, like I said, it's just awesome to see the, uh, you know, for me, the confidence and just feeling like you belong right away, I think, is obviously sometimes when, when you know, younger players like that can maybe get thrown in, especially like these two did when they got put right at the top of the lineup, right in key roles and didn't look overwhelmed. They looked like they fit in. I mean, obviously we saw Ross go down to the minors again, but I don't know. I just think my just biggest takeaway was that, you know, obviously Boldy scored, but they just, they just looked like they fit in. Yeah, and then Zeke, just to jump in quick here, Justin, before we grab your thoughts, you just talked about like how you thought overall they looked pretty similar. Um, obviously, Bully mm-hmm. does have the goal, but if you kind of yeah. push that goal aside, they each had five shots on goals. Uh, Boldy had .25 individual expected goals. Rossi actually .33, so actually a little bit higher quality chances. Boldy, six shot attempts. Rossi, seven shot attempts. Boldy, three scoring chances. Rossi, four scoring chances. Boldy, one high danger chance. Uh, Rossi, two high danger chances. Boldy, uh, right now, sitting at a, a nice, cozy plus three. Rossi, unfortunately, a minus one and, a, and two penalties, which I think were both pretty borderline. The holding or the tripping he got called for in, in the Boston game, uh, he never even took the guy's legs out. He kind of fell over because Rossi was leaning on him. And then I thought the hold the other night was, I mean, it was holding, but uh, it, was, it was pretty borderline. It's the same thing that Eck got injured on and it wasn't called, so... Um, I mean, raw numbers and even the advanced stats, too. Um, Bully with the edge and all, all the major advanced stats. Um, slightly just an edge in Corsi. Uh, 52% for Bully, 47.5% for Rossi. Um, 12-12 are shots on goal when Bully's on the ice. 11-10 Rossi. Um, expected goals, where there's a little bit bigger gap. Uh, Bully, 66.3%, which is a really solid through two games. Uh, Rossi down a hair lower at 47.61%. Um, but between the two of them, just three total combined high danger chances against um, in a combined, you know, looks like good that, uh, my math, 52 minutes of ice time total between the two of them and just three high danger chances against. Pretty good. These two, are, these are two guys that while they were lying to be, you know, two-way players as well. Um, so, yeah, Zeke, I'm right there with you. I think, you know, yeah, Bully definitely, I think, to the eye test looked a little more flashy, but... Um, the underlying numbers and kind of the raw stats show it was it was pretty even debuts for the two of them. Bully just gets that edge because he did score the eventual game winner in Boston, which was pretty freaking cool. Justin, anything you want to add? Uh, no, I had to take myself off mute. I started talking and was on mute. I just felt like they both looked like they belong. I mean, Boldy looked a little more flashier, like we said, but there was... yeah. So much that Rossi did that I was kind of like, oh, okay, that's awesome. There was one play where a Boston Bruin fan was going, or fan, player was going up the ice, and he just did this little, from behind, this little stick stick lift and puck, ta- mm-hmm. uh, just a little quick takeaway that you, you could see his elite kind of defensive side there. And, and I felt like, I don't know what his faceoff percent was, but I, I felt like he did fairly well on faceoffs. I'm looking, uh, 33%, I guess, against Boston, but... Um, I felt like he won more than that. Maybe not. 
I guess not, but he didn't look bad. Uh, of course, I feel like faceoffs are something that'll come around too, because I think you're going to yeah. learn that. You know, some NHL yeah. players maybe have some different tendencies, and as you just kind of, you got to have to learn what works and doesn't work at at the next right. level up. But I'm pretty sure faceoffs have been something he's been good at throughout his career. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's not something that you know alarms me by any means. Right. Uh, and it was good to see both of them be able to get power play time. I mean. You can, you can just see the puck moving skills of Baldy. We saw it at BC and at the World Juniors and at Iowa. Continued with the Wild in the big club, which is good to see. And, you know, I do want to say it was awesome to be able to see them, have both their parents be able to see them make their debuts. And it was awesome that Baldy's family was there, that he got to score the game-winning goal, got first star of the game all in front of his family and friends and old teammates. It's, yeah, that's... I mean, I don't think you could you couldn't script it a whole lot better than that. No, you can't have. So it, yeah, it was it was amazing. Just these guys are the future, and it, they, you can see it. Yeah, yeah and no, I, th- I think. Oh, go ahead, Zeke. Oh, sorry. Go, no, oh, I was just good. gonna say that. You know, my uh, yeah, I, I agree with you too, Justin. That was really cool. You know, to see him score that first goal, especially you know, I think you know that was a huge goal in the game. Like you said, game-winning goal mm-hmm. right after the whole you know uh, you know Trent Frederick debacle, and it was it wasn't a power play goal, but it was right after, so it was close enough. It kind of you know put the game a little far out of reach, and uh, like you said, it ended up being the winning goal. But I think the thing with Rossi is, and it's not really a shot on him; like he's really skilled, and I think and others have talked about it, but you know his skill maybe like Brett said doesn't. I mean, it, it might come out more as we see him play more games in NHL, but I think it seems to be more, a little bit more, uh, it, it's just not as flashy and it's you know, very you Spurgeon like, yeah, yeah. You maybe won't notice it unless you're like looking for it or, you know, like us, there are people listening, like, you know, serious hardcore fans, but, uh, and like others said, you know, he might end up with two or three points one game and you might go, when did he get two or three points? And, yeah. you know, right. I think, uh, that's just perfectly <laughs> fine. I mean, he's, you know, he's the set, he's, you know, we're hoping he can be a center and, hey, you know, just 20 years old, playing first time. It's just, and I think, you know, like Russo mentioned that it was, I believe the day of his game was a year to the day that he was, you know, diagnosed with myocarditis. So just to see that come full circle uh, to make it to the NHL was really cool as well. Right. Another thing, sorry if I'm interrupting you, Brad, again. Oh, you're good. Um, another thing we got to remember about Rossi is he's more of a playmaker than anything because when he, had those 120 mm-hmm. points in the uh, OHL, 80 of 81 of them were assists. Uh, Two thirds of his points in Iowa were assists. So, you know, he's he'll play strong defensively. I mean, he's a strong player. He has a good shot, but you're going to see him kind of be that playmaker type, I, I think. Yeah, but it was good to see. I mean, still five shots on goal yep, um, through those two games. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, two and a half per game, averaging. Um, he had 24, 31 total ice time, so around 12 minutes a night. That's a pretty good shots yeah. per 60 rate. Um, I don't know the exact math, but pretty darn good. I would say the other big takeaway for me was, um, and and especially with Boldy, because I mean it's something I've commented on him since you know the Wild drafted him, and I've you know got chances to watch him on and off. Is that and and Rossi too, but a lot of the things that made them really good and noticeable at younger levels seem to translate. So you know with Boldy, I think about the strong play along the wall. I mean that. He very rarely goes into a board battle and loses that battle. And he gets behind the net, and it's like good luck taking the puck from him. He just finds creative mm-hmm. ways um, to, to create space for himself and to find passing lanes. We saw him make some nice little quick, quick stick plays too on passes and shots. Um, just a lot of those things that you know made him successful in the World Juniors at BC translated over, and I think that that's huge. 
Um, I mean, it, and, and I think the other thing too is that the stage didn't look too big for him. You know, it didn't look ah, he got lucky a couple mm-hmm. times. You know, he, his his pace was good. Thought he played physical, and I thought both looked looked really good. And I think it's nice for Rossi to get that taste and now go back to Iowa hungry, continue to be a leader and, and dominate down there and just bide his time. And with with all the injuries that that we've seen, you know, who knows? It could be you know Friday and someone else is hurt and Rossi's right back up here. So. Um, yeah. Anything else on the uh, on the Boldy Rossi uh, debuts you guys want to hit on here before we uh, before we continue? Um, maybe uh, not necessarily the debuts, uh, but uh, as much as we all want Rossi in the lineup, and I, I think he'll he'll be there next year, and, and he looked like he belongs. But the good thing about this is he's going to get those big first line minutes, absolutely. first power play one minutes down in Iowa, and continue to develop. And like you said, be hungry to be up there for you know permanent. Yeah, between the taxi squad and all the call-ups, he's going to have to be a guy they lean on down there. Yep. Yep. And I don't know, my just last thought is, uh, you know, I think I think most people kind of understood this, but, you know, just in case you know, they didn't catch it, a lot of people were, I don't know, maybe caught surprised that when Boldy was sent down to the taxi squad, per se, mm, yep. and there was a little bit of, like, you know, why are they sending him down after he's great? Uh, you know, I think, I mean, we all know this, obviously, but that, you know, that's a cat move. I think a lot of people, you know, it's kind of confusing to understand that sometimes that salary cap is a daily thing and that it, it was just to, right. you know, essentially since they're not playing for five days, they save money that, you know, as I think, you know, Russo explained it to a few people that, you know, that they, 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 all the teams, they accumulate that space. So if they need to make a move later on or even call one of those guys the backup from Iowa that they'll have, you know, the, the cap space to do it. But yeah. so, yeah, no, I guess I just wanted to clarify that. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, and you really hear about it, but I'm pretty sure like last year when they had taxi squads, Nico Sturm was pretty much assigned to the taxi squad like almost every day. Or like yeah. every time between games he'd be assigned and then recalled. It just it happened so often it became the point, okay, we don't need to report this because it's not like he's not playing. Mm-hmm. He's just being sent there yeah. for cap reasons. So, And I think, and, and I believe there's a Russo story from near the end of the year where he kind of dove into that and talked about like, how much money that they accrued by making those types of moves. And it ended up being, I think like almost like 1.5 million maybe in space, which, mm-hmm. you know, end of the year come injuries and stuff, you know, it's, it's huge. So when you have nine players out of the lineup, you need some cap space. You can make it work. Yeah. So. Yeah. So they essentially paid for John Merrill's contract. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And we'll, and we'll get to that in a minute, but I want to talk about uh, as we, you know, we kind of did the, bo- you know, the, let's, let's recap the rest of the Boston game. Um, before we jump into the Washington game, because we kind of talked about it a little bit, but you know, mm-hmm. it was you know first game back since the Winter Classic. You know, you had some young guys in the lineup in Rossi and Boldy and Dewar. Um, I believe Addison was in the lineup that that night as well. You had you know just a, a young lineup that night, and they came out against a team who has arguably the best line in hockey with the Marchand Bergeron. Um, and Pasternak line, you don't have Spurgeon, you don't have Brodeen, you don't have Eck, your three shutdown guys, and they pull out a gutsy win and and, uh, and find, a, find a way to win that game 3-2 uh, on the heels of a Matt Boldy game winner. Yeah, no, I think, you know, obviously it was a huge win because having lost, you know, I think it was five in a row before their, you know, season kind of got disrupted with postponements in the Winter Classic, obviously, I think, especially, you know, is. We'll talk about the Washington game, like you said, in a minute, Brett. But, I, you know, I think, you know, I don't know. I just felt like the attitude, you know, after if they would have lost that game in Boston, uh, I, I don't know. I think just it just feels like maybe the Washington game wouldn't have gone very well or, or something like that. But it was just crucial to, to, to get a huge win on the road, especially against Boston, who, you know, they haven't been, I don't think, as great this year. 
I think they were riding. Maybe, it was either a three or four game winning streak, yeah. though, I think, at the time. So they were no, they were playing yeah. good hockey. No, yeah, they had to started kind of slow, but like you said, they did. We're starting to play well, and obviously, you know, the way the style of play that they, you know, that they have historically used it physical, rough, in your face, that it's very hard, especially, you know, in Boston to go in there and beat them. Uh, I think it was, you know, it was just huge to get the win, grind it out, and I think. Yeah, I don't know. I think it was just just a huge win on the road after being off for six days. Uh, and like we, we talked about the rookie debuts, but I, th- I think it was just a overall solid effort, even though in the third period, the Wild did go into a bit of a shell uh, in terms of just trying to defend. But I think, uh, you know, at that point, that was just trying to, with the injuries that we talked about, just trying to, you know, get out of there with the two points and get back home. Yeah, outshot 17 you know, to 6 in the third period. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we did have Brody in that game. He picked up a couple assists. I think that's the game we oh, all yeah, lost him. But, um, End of that uh, game. I do, yep. Yeah. I do like the fact that all the people that scored for us were or a lot of the young guys. Sturm, Kaprizov, who we all know what happened to him that game. BS. But And then, uh, of course, Boldy. And I, I do want to mention... List. Yeah, exactly. He he surpassed Drew Doughty, I think. <laughs> but he also but, uh, got you injured, know, so uh, karma's a bitch. Yeah. Also, NHL players are a joke. <laughs> All right, I'm done. Now. I do got to mention Kakinen standing on his head for us, making 36 to 38, mm-hmm. uh, 36 saves out of 38 shots, and and you know being that number one goaltender that it. I feel like Kakinen is one of those goalies that plays better when he gets lots of starts. I know he's kind of streaky overall, but it's like last year when he won like 10, 11 wins in a row, uh, starts in a row, it just seems like he picks up when, when Talbot goes down. We need yeah, him. That, to, yeah, that's the key. Up. Talbot just can't be in the lineup. And then Kakinen plays. Yeah, well. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we can't have two nice things. No, only one nice and thing. As long as he's, and as long as he's not playing the blues, he, he's okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll jump a little bit off base here, um, and talk about Kakin a little bit. Um, I did I did pull some stats similar to a tweet I put out. I think it was prior to the Washington game, um, but since uh, November thirtieth, Capo Kakin has had five starts, six appearances, as he did come in relief in the St. Louis game. In those six appearances, he's four one and zero, has stopped one hundred and sixty two of one hundred and seventy two shots. That's a nine forty two save percentage. He's forty three out of forty eight on high danger shots, an eight ninety six high danger save percentage. For reference, like the top goalies in the league, like season long, are around like eighty five percent on high danger. So, you know, looking at almost forty percent higher. You know, what you know, way higher there, um, almost four percent higher on those. A two point zero zero flat. Uh, goals against average. He hasn't allowed more than two goals in any of those starts. Uh, 4.95 goals saved above expected uh, in that stretch as well. So, I mean, he's been really, really, yeah, really good. Um, you know, and the two, two huge games against Boston and, and you know, where he faced, I, what was it, Justin? You just said it. Uh, 38 shots. 38 shots. And I think it was like, might have been 30, was high 30s again, I think, against Washington. Um, 36, 37, somewhere in that yeah. range, really. That's in two as well. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's been so so good, and I think you could just see the confidence building, which it's really been great to see because you know when Talbot went down, I think there was a collective gulp, um, and it's like already on Spurgeon, mm-hmm. and now we're gonna take Talbot out of there. Like, oh my God, what's gonna happen? And he's mm-hmm. he's he's delivered and come up huge. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think you know. I think you tweeted this out uh, either after that game or after the watch came, Brett, that, you know, I know in Boston, he did give up that early power play goal, although it was a bit of a deflection. And usually it's, like you said, it seems like 
kind of a guy who I, th- I think you said something to the tune of you know if he gets off to a solid start, he usually can uh, you, you know you know as long as he just keeps it. If he's going to get scored on, if he just keeps it to just that one goal there, he's usually fairly good. Uh, but I mean, obviously, like we said, with with goalies, they can be inconsistent, and you know, like he like Justin mentioned, he was a little bit inconsistent last year. But uh, yeah, no, he's been. Uh, been fantastic made i uh, can't remember who it was on washington that uh, one save he made uh that uh, that they reviewed to check if it went across the goal line you know game saving save yeah, made a breakaway like, like a stop that would have right? made it kind of back door yeah it was yeah, yeah. With the toe. made a breakaway save to keep it two nothing and then he made another a couple huge saves in overtime and then obviously the shootout too in that game so yeah no i just think uh, he's filling in while talbot's been hurt just kind of like as just mentioned with that nine game winning streak as he did last year and, you know, you know, we'll see if he keeps it up. But, I mean, you know, that's, you know, all, all you can ask of your goalies and, you know, especially if your backup is just to be good enough to give you a chance to win. And I think he's been even better than that recently, like you guys said, and has been, you know, a big reason why they've, you know, won these two games. And even when before that, when they were losing games, he was giving them a chance every night. So it's just uh, just great to see the uh, – just, just, just great to see that, you know, have that little bit more confidence sort of him because – even I'll admit, or, you know, it was just after one game, and I got a lot of heat for saying that I'd rather have Carson Soucy on the team over him. It's like, you know, I might have been wrong. Okay, all the people ragging on me, I might have been wrong for that tweet. But yeah, you know, it's it's uh, it's great to see. Yeah, and then just to add, um, I, I was just curious. You know, this this stretch has been good. I mean, he's played most of his games. Six of his ten games have been in kind of in this last stretch. Um, but on the season, he has 10 appearances, 9 starts, 6-2-1 in those 9 starts, uh, 9-15 save percentage, 2.51 goals against average, 0.68 goals save above expected, and just two games uh, of those 9 where he's allowed more than 2 goals. So, I mean, all things considered, he's been fine. Um, I mean, yeah. those save percentage, goals against, goals saved above expected numbers, very average. But if your backup goalie can be just average, you're, you're in a good spot because mm-hmm. um, a lot mm-hmm. of backup goalies are below average. So Kakinen's been great, um, you know, and I th- I think he deserves a lot of credit for kind of helping pull the wild off, off the rails here and and kind of get things right. Hoping it can continue, but um, you know, hopefully he's riding a confidence high and you know, get, getting some of these players back. Your your ex and who and and the other guys should hopefully help with that as well and having some. You know, pretty much a normal forward lineup, I think. Hopefully, all things considered here uh, moving forward. So, mm-hmm. shout out Capo. And then also, uh, Russo did do a straight from the source with him, too. That was uh, very entertaining. So, I'd encourage everyone to check yes. that out as well if you're looking for some more Capo content. Although, he did almost down. give us all a heart attack at the end of the last game, too. He did. That? <laughs> oh, man. Out of the net. And it like, was memed oh, perfectly dude. by us. Yeah. Oh, that was awesome, Just <laughs> <laughs> when, you're, when you take control of the goalie while playing Xbox. <laughs> It, it, it wasn't I was like, we just tied the game. Don't do this, yeah. please. But also, like, on top of the caption, it was also, like, the exact screen cap you took. Like, it just looked like the default goalie position in NHL where he's, like, yeah. like his hand wasn't even all the way down the stick, and he's just kind of, like, standing there. Like, it looked like the controller turned like, it looked like the controller turned off almost. Yeah, <laughs> Batteries died. Um, I, I do wonder. Yeah. I'd, I'd have to look back. I wonder if that was credited as a shot on goal despite him making the save at, like, the dot. <laughs> Because yeah, if he wouldn't have been there, it would have it would have gone in probably. So I think it would count as a save, or does it count as a block, so. a block shot? I don't know. Although I mean, there, it was weird because there was three guys behind him battling yeah. with Ovi. It's like, God. Yeah. yeah, he made twenty eight saves and had a block shot. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Wait, is that the actual? 
box score? Oh, I don't know. I just oh. made that up. <laughs> oh, you just made But uh, yeah, shout out to Cockblock, playing great. Keep it up. Um, <laughs> let's uh, let's move in a little bit. That's a nice transition into the Washington game. Uh, you know, another pretty gutsy win for the fellas. They they, they come out with it. You know, in the uh, in the shootout. Um, you know, Kevin. F- uh, I think you know the the big storyline that game was Kevin Fiala. You know, takes three penalties in four and a half minutes, gets benched, mm-hmm. comes out, you know, has an assist on the game winner or assist on the tying goal and then, you know, comes out and over and over in the shootout. Um and uh you know, pots uses the Capri Soft move with the yeah. little little chip shot over the glove <laughs> um to put the wild up one nothing in the shootout before Freddie Goodrow ices it uh for the winner. Yeah, that that was a, a good gritty win, especially with how many guys were out, because that was the game that Brodeen was out and and uh Thank you to Carl Haglin for helping us spur the comeback. <laughs> that that <laughs> I've seen it done in Xbox games, but I'd never seen it happen. No, that was me in a regular, yeah, <laughs> in a regular game where I was disguised as penalty. It was, it was flawless execution. <laughs> I told you guys I was slotting into the lineup. No one believed me. Yeah, you did. You did. I scored for you us. You're welcome. Good job. I uh, I forgot to do it because natural stature ended up crashing. But I was actually gonna like create a player card for myself and post it after the game because there was. Oh, and, and for those of you that jumped on that train and, and kind of continued the meme by tagging me for Minnesota Wild first, um, <laughs> and even tagging me on that hagen goal. Okay, was that you? Thank you for going along. With it. Uh, it gave me a good chuckle. Oh, man. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I was that whole game, you know, even it was 2 nothing, and it kind of looked like they were probably going to lose. Even though, you know, obviously you never had with the loss, I was kind of like, you know, I was in a, that's fine mode. Like, you know, there's, this is basically like, like we all joke too, this is basically the Isle Wild, uh, you know, you can't really expect them to come out and beat the Washington Capitals, who yeah. despite on a, being on a back Nine of the 20 players that were on good. the opening night roster yeah. for not playing. And coincidentally, uh, the Iowa Wild mascot was in town at the game for Nordy's birthday that day, which was, which was kind of funny. But yeah, no, it was. I mean, obviously, I think you know you could tell that for the Wild when they got their offense. Obviously, aside from the own goal and the delayed penalty that, that Justin brought up, you know, it was usually when they had the man advantage on the power play, and, and on you know with the goalie pulled, obviously. And I will say that even though that first power play in the period, uh, first period at the end, did not score, I think that was maybe the best their power plays looked in a long time. I mean, they're moving the puck, actually. They got it in the zone, kept it there the whole time, and got amazing, a few nice chances. Amazing what off. happens when you put Addison and Boldy and Ross yeah. and let them, hey, go do yes. stuff that you're good at. And, yeah. Don't so. put Freddie mm-hmm. Gaudreau out on the top unit to funnel away pucks. But, uh, no, yeah, that was – it was just <laughs> – yeah, no, it was just a, it was just a great uh, comeback win, like Justin said, good, gritty win, and because uh, I mean, you could tell, to be honest, that even when it was two to one, it's like, man, and I, I thought they should almost pull the goalie with like five, six minutes left, because you just know that they weren't going to generate any offense at even strength. I mean, mm-hmm. despite with just the, you know, even if guys like Bolte and Ross, you know, these other guys, they are skilled, but you know, these guys have hardly played together in their careers. You know, they're all being kind of mushed together just to throw up, so it's not throw up, but. Uh, thrown into the lineup but yeah, yeah. No, it was uh, it was you know i would have been even i think we all would have been thrilled with just the one point uh there that we would have considered that a win uh, but yeah. yeah no it was uh, it was it's a great uh, just again another example of this team this year how they never give up right another goal another goal at the goalie pool i think it's it's like 11 or 12 11. on this it's just it's yeah. bonkers like, other teams, like 
Yeah. At this point, do you guys think it's in other teams' heads? Like, hey, we have a you know we have a one or two goal lead with five minutes left. They're gonna freaking pull the goalie with nine and a half minutes left. And they're gonna score on us three times. And we're gonna lose. Like, <laughs> no. like at what point? Like teams have to take note of that, right? Like, are the coaches at least like, hey, when these guys pull the goalie, they score? Like, we got, right? Or, or the Wild just have the confidence to say, you know, we're gonna pull our goalie. This is it. We're gonna tie the game right here. This, we're never out of it. So let's do this. And it, it I just looked it up. It is eleven goals. Uh, 23% success rate when our goalie's pulled, which is pretty damn good because... Yeah. It'd, be, it'd be interesting. Where's, yeah, uh, I mean, where's Elias Sportsboon and Edom on, on what, the, what the NHL record? It's got to be close. I know. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, yeah. There are a couple teams like Colorado and Tampa have eight this year, but we're, we're three ahead of each of those. It's pretty crazy. It just seems like every time we pull the goalie, we, not every time, but man. Yeah. I, I'd be curious too on... You know, of those eleven goals, or in in the games where they, you know, how many times and they've pulled the goalie have they gone on to win the game, like scored and then gone on to right. win? Because I, because yeah. I, I don't have they lost. It's yeah, the there was one game Florida when we lost Florida, like six yeah. to four or something like that when we scored an empty net goal, but they ended up scoring on us again. I yeah, think so, something like that. But, but I mean, pretty crazy. Hey, even. Even those games, you know, if you can rally from down two with two minutes left and get a point, you know, you'll take that mm-hmm. every time. But I don't know. It's just crazy how, you know, how confident even as fans sitting are that, you know, they're going to score. You're just like, oh, they're down one with three minutes left. Oh, they'll get a goal. Yeah. It's fine. Down two with five minutes left. They'll, they'll score twice. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. They've done it before. I was, I was honestly talking to myself when the Washington, Washington game was going on. I was like, I will be happy with a point tonight. Like, this is... We're not generating any offense like you mentioned before. I, just I, like, I had zero expectations for man, that. Man, no, it was so tough. I was like, no, Zuccarello tied it, and I was like, okay, well. And then I went to a shootout. I was like, well, it's going to be tough, but uh, here we go. And then, again, Kakinen stands on his head, and, and we went in the shootout. <laughs> it was just yeah. it, it was typical wild this year. Yeah, I always play a game with myself and try to guess, like, all right, who are the Wild going to send out in the shootout? And I'm sitting there going, all right, we don't have Kaprizov. Fialo is in the doghouse for half the third period. Um, you know, you got Rossi and Boldy, like, at home. Like, maybe you throw them out. Right. And I'm like, all right, Zuccarello goes first. And then I'm like, okay, now here comes Kevin Fiala. All right. They did go back to Kev. Kev scores. Like, okay, it's got to be Rossi or Boldy, right? Nope. Out trots Dean Evison's favorite freaking player, Freddie Goodrill. And me and my roommate are sitting there going, <laughs> There's no way they put out Freddie freaking Goudreau. This guy's like one shootout attempt in his career. Like Stone hands Freddie, and he and Stone hands Freddie goes in and scores, um, just to prove once again that the reverse jinx works. So you're welcome. Yep. Which means uh, if Capo Kakinen gives up five goals tomorrow, we did not talk. Yep. We said all terrible things about him on the podcast. Could not have been our fault. Um, absolutely <laughs> nope. Do not come back to us. Do not listen to the tape. Do not review it. It's non-reviewable. Call nope. me ice stands. We might get yeah yeah might suspend the account if if that happens yeah yeah oh just kidding we don't want that we're never gonna, gonna be able to talk about the team again yeah, we, just, <laughs> we can't we got we're gonna we're gonna sit here complain for an hour each well week. then we'd be yeah. a true Minnesota I'm sports cast, sports podcast <laughs> yes that's if we, true. If the only thing we did was just complain about our teams then we would be we would be great <laughs> you just changed the bio to your your reverse Jinx podcast crew. Yeah. all right Uh, a couple other topics to get to uh tonight let's see which one we let's just i want to go to uh we hit on that hit on that um let's talk about the somewhat surprise extension that was handed out to uh minnesota wild defenseman john merrill 
and uh, the implications that that could have on the defense group going forward. So it's a, I believe it's a three-year, I want to say it was 3.6 million total, 1.2 million annual uh, for Johnny Merrill. Um, locking him in the state of hockey. Um, I'll be honest, I think someone had like asked me about this on Twitter like two weeks ago. Like, hey, do you think they'll re-sign Merrill? And I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't think they will. Unless it's at like a discount. He knows he's the seventh defenseman. All of a sudden, boom! Billy's like, nah, <laughs> three years, 1.2 mil for this guy. And uh, it really got me thinking about what next? Because Kalen Addison's looked the part. Um, Spurgeon and Dumba and Brodeen and Kulikov and are all under contract next year. Now you have Merrill. He's your fifth. Goligoski's unsigned, but Russo's been saying basically since the day they signed him on the opening of free agency that, yep, the plan mm-hmm. is to re-sign him. I think even went so far as like that could very likely be in the works right now, you know, coming in around like a two, three million dollar range average. And if so, if he does come back when all six-year defensemen are back, and you know, I, I thought for sure like they can't possibly bury Addison again. So to me, it means kind of one of I guess four things about a term. And one. They're finally going to move on from Matt Dumba. Um, two, they're not going to re-sign Goligoski, which I think is pretty unlikely. Um, three, Addison maybe spends another year in Iowa, which would be surprising to me. Or four, and the more I think about this one starts to kind of make more and more sense, they might be looking to move on, not this season, but maybe offseason from Dmitry Kulikov. Um, so uh, we can get into more of my thoughts in a second, but I just want to get your guys' opinion. Just kind of, you know, gut reaction first on Merrill and then kind of what you think it means for the blue line kind of moving forward. You know, honestly, I'm not sure what to think. I haven't thought about this a whole lot. I mean, a lot of your <laughs> points. Uh, it's just, yeah, I mean, we have obviously seven years left of Brodeen, two years left mm-hmm. of Dumba, Kulikov, and Addison, which Addison will be a restricted free agent. Now four years left of Merrill. Ben won't be here. He'll be gone. At least because. So, yeah, I mean, unless, like you said, they keep Addison in Iowa, which the the telecast crew seem to think that he's very close. Like, there's talks that he's very close to being ready to be in the NHL. I, I think he'll be up there next year. Uh, someone's getting traded. I mean, that's all I can – like, like, just off the top of my head, just I mean, the, the easiest one camera. is Goligoski isn't back, but to me, it, just, it doesn't make sense. Like, they, they, they've just the yep. way it's been talked about. I think they bring him back, mm-hmm. and whereas, like, you know, I love Mara, I love Kulikov. You know, if you're keeping Dumba around, I don't think you're breaking up him and Brodine to. So then, who do you play with Spurge? It's not Addison. You're not putting three right. You're not putting two right D on the top. You know, I don't think a Kulikov or Merrill is cut out for the type of, you know matchups that you know they want Spurgeon out there against so, like to me it just mm-hmm. it, it points to either it's got to be Dumba or Kulikov um and with Dumba recently getting that assistant captain I just I mm-hmm. there's no like rumor be- beyond this just logical thinking for me is that I'm, I think it has to be Kulikov is the weird one out um I think he has like a 2.25 million dollar cap at one year left there's got to be a buyer for that out there somewhere I would think yes you know, I think, you know, first of all, uh, on John Rao, I think I was a little surprised, you know, obviously like some people that he got the three-year term, but, you know, maybe that price of doing business there is, you know, he gets the security finally that he probably wants, you know, and then they get him at a decent cap hit for, for three years and get some stability in there. But, and, and I have no problem with with the deal. I think he's been, he hasn't been great, but he hasn't been terribly, he's been a solid player on a third pair. So I, I have no problems with that, but, you know, I'm kind of what you guys were just talking about with, 
you know what this means it's kind of confusing like like brett said because i'll go down one road you know like you mentioned with you know with goligoski and how you know we thought forever that they're going to re-sign him and you know for his part he has been pretty good this year he's produced offense on the as on the from the from the blue line yeah i mean and he's been healthy been, more healthy than most yeah. of the blue line but i think he mm-hmm. leads the wild blue line in points right now if i'm not yeah, mistaken I think he's got 20 21 and 29 games so you know he's been and he's you know obviously he's just another good veteran presence seems to be well liked in the locker room and, and all that good stuff which we know they value very much and, and willing to take like a said, pretty Brett, team-friendly deal too. from the sounds of it too right yeah no for sure and i think you know like, like you said you you think that's going to happen but the, then he just said brett you know with matt dumb it's weird because you know he, it feels like for a couple of years that the team has always been from roost and all this that you know his t- days are numbered that you know we've seen what defensemen are getting paid you know even darnell nurse got 9.25 million in edmonton which is looking like a huge mistake now even though we all knew that from the second it was signed and yep you just you wonder you know yes matt has said you know how much he loves it here how it's his second home how you know he really doesn't want to play anywhere else you just wonder how much you know, of a discount he really is willing to take because, you know, I guess it, again, it depends, like you said, Brett, on this off season should be really interesting because we don't, we don't, we have a lot of, you know, there's a lot of things that they have to figure out. So I, I'm just kind of, you know, I, he's just a little unsure, but yeah, no, I, I think you agree. I mean, cool. has been solid, but you know, I think, I mean, like it's fairly obvious to agree. You're, you're, you'd miss a Golgoski or a Matt Dumbo a lot more than you would miss Dmitry Kulikov who, you know, mm-hmm. like like you guys mentioned with Kalen Addison, they could hopefully re- just thump, put him in there or somebody else. So, yeah, I don't know exactly what it means. I think you mentioned the spread, but we'll, we'll have to just wait till probably the offseason to figure out. But it uh, definitely kind of maybe throws a maybe not a wrinkle, but it it just there's something unexpected in there that is kind of has a ripple effect on the rest of the team. Yeah, and I'm kind of spitballing with this because I'm just off the top of my head um, looking at kind of we got a lot of good defensemen that we've drafted recently but another thing is you look at iowa and there's i mean outside of addison maybe mermis there's there's not a whole lot of guys that are ready to come up and step up so maybe they're signing a guy that you know is is fitting in serviceably for now and 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 took kind of a a decent cap hit and and I mean, there may be a trade down the, the road, but it just seems like until some of these guys like like Damon Hunter, O'Rourke, or Lambos are ready, which may be a couple of years down the road, that they need some of these guys that will be cheap and, and fit in kind of. Right. And, and I mean – I think better better too now, sorry about uh, – No, you're good. Just better now to, I guess, in that sense too, to get him signed at that $1.2 million than what we see defensemen of any kind get paid. You know, you might be paying double that for – Especially this offseason. I mean, Yes, the Tucker Pullmans of the world were getting like two, three oh, million dollars. <laughs> yeah. Yes, well, that's Jim. To be fair, that is Jim Benning, that's or true. was Jim Benning. But that's true. but yeah, so you you know, you, like I said, you you might if you want to resign John Merrill in the summer, you might be paying. He might be asking for double, and there might be somebody out in free agency who's going to give that. Yeah. And you just you're kind of out of luck. So I think uh, it's just more good work by by Billy G. Yeah, and maybe it's possible he's just a one point two million dollar seventh seventh defenseman. To me, yeah. it, I, yeah, I guess in sure. my yeah. head, that seems like too much to to pay a guy to sit in the press box. It feels like you could find someone at league mm-hmm. minimum. You know, as much as I loathe Jordy Van, but more of that type, kind of that <laughs> that guy that's always been a seventh. You know, your Brad Hunts, your Nate Prosser type, like those right. guys are going to take yeah. less than a mil. 
Um, so, because so, to me, like a three-year, one point two million dollar investment means that this guy's gonna play. He's he's a part of the plan. So that's why I, my mind goes to to a trade. And I I have a lot of numbers in front of me. Maybe I'll do a Twitter thread on this versus talking, but all of it in the podcast. Um, but I went through and just kind of looked at each of the D pairings, just kind of the the advanced analytics for each of them, and just kind of like how they compare. I think I'll just compare the Merrill Addison pairing to the to the Merrill Kulikov pairing. Um, head to head, so it's a small sample for Merrill Addison. Um, just six games, forty-one minutes of even strength ice time. But when they've been together, sixty-three point eight six percent Corsi four advantage, thirty to twenty-one shot advantage. They've been outscored three to one, um, but I'm crediting that to I believe like an eight fifty on ice save percentage and a three percent shooting percentage. So been pretty bad, like bad luck, because uh, they do have a sixty-six point seven seven percent expected goal share. And uh, they're out chancing opponents on high danger chances seven to four, which is about sixty four point six percent. So they've been very good um, when they've been together, you know, in those forty minutes or so. Um, comparatively, Miral Kulikov thirty two games together, um, almost two hundred and thirty minutes, much bigger sample, um, hovering just over fifty percent. Corsi, I'm at fifty one. Um, have just one. Uh, have actually have a shot disadvantage at one fifteen to one fourteen. Um, have outscored the opponents thirteen to ten. Uh, 57.55 expected goal share, and then uh, 56.64 high danger share. So, like both pairs have been good, but I think you look at you know Merrill and Kulikov. I think they're pretty similar types of defensemen, and that they're more of the shutdown, the stay at home. Where all of a sudden you throw Addison mm-hmm. there with one of them, I think you get a little bit more of that Brodine Dumba type, where you, you kind of have that responsible stay at home guy, mm-hmm. and then you've got the offensive guy that can kind of push pace, create the offense, and I think we've seen Addison do that. Um, so I think you could get like almost a Brodeen Dumba light on your third pair. And then of course, as you know, we alluded to earlier, Addison really helped out the power play there night too. We saw kind of some of his creativity as the quarterback. And, you know, if you, maybe if you do lose a Matt Dumba or somebody like that, you know, he's, he's a great person. Maybe throw it on your, on your second power play unit as well. So long winded, I have stats for the other pairings. But I'm not going to go through those because I don't want to bore people, but, um, and then um, quality competition might be the other thing that factors in there. Um, Meryl Kulikov has been getting the easiest pairing, getting about 45th percentile of players in terms of their war per top-down hockey. So have been getting the tough opponents, but have handled them, you know, probably the equivalent skill level, um, you know, decently well too. So, and I would assume they don't have data for Addison yet, but I'm assuming it's relatively similar. So. All right, and then uh, the last bit of news. Um, congrats, Johnny Merrill. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it was you know half the money was for the contract and half was just to keep the stash on the team. Yeah, uh, maybe uh, he looks it. like a redneck, Marcus Foligno. Maybe I'm the only one that thinks that, but <laughs> I'm glad to keep him around. <laughs> also, like maybe the reason I'm trying to champion for this Merrill Addison pairing is if Addison regrew his hair out, the combination of mullets oh, and, and caterpillar, like it's a top D pair in the league. <laughs> can't beat it. Like teams would just step on the ice and shudder and fear. Like these guys have way too good a hair and way too good a mustache. We can't score on them. Not gonna happen. Um, but Ad- that would require Addison to bring back the the curly locks. So Kalen, if you're listening, you know what to do. Um, mm-hmm. But the other big uh, piece of news, which happened yesterday slash today, is the Minnesota Wild did put Rem Pitlick on waivers, and then today he was claimed by the Montreal Canadiens, so he was no longer a member of the Minnesota Wild organization. Um, obviously like big news there, he's on waivers, but I think the other big news is kind of what that signals for Matt Boldy and Connor Dewar and the facts that it, it, these two have, there are spots 
mm-hmm. on the roster. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these are two guys they could have just sent back to Iowa and kept, um, you know, Pitlick on the roster. But they said, nope, we're, we're, we're keeping these guys in our NHL lineup. So I think that's kind of the two big takeaways for me there. Yeah, I mean, you can see a lot of these kids already do her. I'm excited about almost equal, not mm-hmm. equally, but he's like 1A, 1B. I mean, his game, he's he's developed well. He's he's quick. He plays gritty. He's just one of those fourth line, third line, fourth line guys that you're you're gonna have for your hopefully years and just help win cups. He's just he's fun to watch. Honestly, a good reason why his nickname is the Pitbull, and uh, <laughs> you know, I want to pour one out for State of Hoppy because he's pretty upset about Pitlick being gone. Um, I'm not. It's because he, he bought the jersey. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> The reverse jinx over there, yeah. or or the jinx over there. I don't know, but I'm not too torn. I mean, you hate to see guys like Rask stay. You can't get rid of him, but you know we have guys that are gonna fill in. I just think it's a good sign for these young kids. And as much as it was fun to watch him score a hat trick, and and he was a pretty good player. He just, I mean, I'm not too upset, honestly. No, I think you know, obviously. Uh... You know, when they picked him up on waivers, it, we all it was a little, little, little surprised at the beginning of the year because I remember thinking, you know, a lot of us that, you know, hit the spot that, uh, you know, he's going to get was maybe going to go to one of these younger guys. But I think, you know, we're kind of see that happen with this, you know, three months later and that, you know, he was in, almost in a way, uh, you know, like a placeholder for the Boldies and Doers or whatever that, you know, they got him for free off waivers, didn't have to pay him much. And, you know, he did, like, you know, speaking of reverse jinx, when you tweeted that uh, he's Diet Ryan Donato and he went <laughs> scored the hat trick the next night in his, uh, his first three NHL goals, uh, you know. Two months so later nice. to the day, I was right. I you tweeted that right. Nove- <laughs> on, it was November 11th. I checked the date today. Hmm. It was November 11th, and on January 11th, he was put on waivers. I'm like, see, I was right. Yeah. I was just two months early. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's, it's the reverse it's reverse jinx. The double reverse yep. jinx. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I don't know. I think, I mean, it's it's too bad because I think you know he did flash some offense. You know, he obviously does have some skill, but I think, you know, as Bruce kind of explained, and others, a lot of us, a lot of people were saying that, you know, there's sometimes that kind of player where you know they're they're great in the AHL, they're great in junior or college, uh, wherever they are, they they score a lot of points, they show a lot of offensive skill, but. When they get to the NHL, they, you know, they, they have that skill, but maybe they don't have, you know, everything enough to play in a top six role, and they just yes. don't have, you like know, Ryan like, uh, yes, you just can't <laughs> play physical, can't play really the much of a two-way game, and, you know, I think that's, you know, as simple as that, that, you know, they were willing to lose him. I mean, yeah, it's, you know, you never want to lose a player for nothing, but I think, you know, uh, you know, if the trade-off is getting, you know, Boldy and Dewar on the on the roster full time and keeping up fair for a while, I think that is is not a not a bad deal at all. Right. Now I saw another thing that this thing kind of this pit like claim did. It, mm-hmm. it bought these Boldies and Doers and Rossies and Duheim. Duheim made the roster out of camp, so we won't include him. But he he yeah. bought two three months for these guys to develop on there and and uh, you know. Boldy had a couple injuries, which was unfortunate, but uh, he's back and now looks like maybe this is the spot that uh, he was sitting in before he got hurt. Who knows? We'll mm-hmm. never know, but it bought time for these guys to get up here. Yeah, sure. and I think the other thing is we t- you know talked about this a little bit off the hop, but it's a testament to how impressed they've been, You know, even if it's a small two-game sample with Connor Dewar. 
Um, and I, and I echo what the coaches said, I think his games looked fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, I've, I talked at length on this show about how, you know, how badly our bottom six was getting outplayed because they couldn't play defense. Mm -hmm. They're getting scored on. They weren't getting the puck out of the zone. Um, and Rem Pitlick, sorry, he can't play defense. That's why the wild move on from him. This has been a team that prides themselves on, on their defensive play and the bottom six has to play defense. You know, the wild have been a team this year that yeah, scoring depth is great, but you know, I feel like as of late, we've kind of seen a shift. Okay, we're going to kind of lean on the Eck line and the Capri soft line of the scoring. We need mm-hmm. these other t- two lines. You know, with Fiala, you guys can score. But this fourth line, we don't need you to go out there and score. We need you to stop the other team. And they hadn't been doing that. Um, but you watch these last two games against uh, both uh, Boston and Washington, and I thought Sturm and Dewar together just seemed to feed. Um, I think they play a very similar game to one another. We haven't seen what yeah. it looks like with Duheim there as well, but I'm pumped for that oh, yes. line. Um, tons of speed yep. with with the, with Dewey one, Dewey two, and Sturm. Um, we got to come up with some good name for that line. There's got to be yep. one out there. So um, <laughs> that's how someone say double D's because that, that's what just popped into my head. Because technically it'd be DDS, which hey, it could be pretty good. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm just pumped to see what they can do. But on top of that, I think Dewar just plays the right way you want for a bottom six guy. He's not flashy, but he plays. You know, he's a quick skater, good north south. Mm-hmm. Believe they've used him on the penalty kill a little bit. Um, he can play center in a pinch. You know, I believe he'll fit his whole junior career. I believe as a center, a little bit in Iowa as a center. So he can take faceoffs if you need him to. Um, and you know, he does have some offensive flair too. Mm-hmm. So again, I, I'm. I think he he earned that spot. It wasn't given to him. He he earned it. And, um, yeah. And he had a good preseason as well. Um, so you know. This may have been a move that's you know it's been in the works, and again, Justin, yeah. you, like you said, they were alluded to deal. Just buy him a little more time, give him a little more seasoning. Um, but the other interesting thing here is, um, which I didn't even think about until we kind of brought it up talking a little bit pre-show, was um, you know Nick Buke's dad may have you know lost his spot, unfortunately too. Um, I don't think that's you know when he comes back, all of a sudden they're like, all right, see you, doer. Um, back to Iowa for you. I think if that line plays well, um, Buke's is gonna have to earn his way back too. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, c- congrats to Boldy and Dura, and you know, p- right. playing the right way, yeah. doing the right things, listening to your coaches. No, no offense, but like not throwing shade, but just you know, these these, <laughs> these spots were earned, and, and I'm happy for them and for these young guys to. You know, it, it's exciting as a Wild fan to see the young guys earn their spots. Yes, and this is. Just... I'll say this is really cool to me because when I joined the prospects page, Dura was the first prospect that kind of jumped out at me and was kind of having like mm-hmm. that over a point per game in juniors season. Like he was our, maybe our best prospect at the time before it, it really blew up into what it is, but to see him develop and become an NHLer is awesome. Yeah. So yeah. Third round. Pick. I think, yeah. And I mean, I think, uh, I think like Brett mentioned, it just shows that, you know, with Bill Guerin essentially preaching that, you know, these guys, if you put in your time and minors, if you work hard, you develop, you know, you're going to eventually you'll get the, you'll get the call and you get the chance to play. And, and like I said, yeah, that's that's proving it. And, and and I mean, hey, another another third round, mid round draft pick being turned into an NHL player is, is pretty damn good, especially because yeah, I remember for a while, like Justin, you said he Dewar did have a good last year in the WHL, but I seem to remember reading a lot of the prospect rankings, and he was never you know usually even ranked. And I always asked and, him, I'm like, hey, yeah. what do you hate about this guy? Because Justin, that was the same way. I, I, I like loved him. his game. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he he reminded me kind of like. I've been using the word, you know, a diet player, but kind of like a diet Zach Parisi almost, just like a guy that yeah. he's just a grinder. He he works his tail mm-hmm. off, goes to the net, does the right things. He was, I believe, captain for Everett too in the WHL. Mm-hmm. You know, a leader. Mm-hmm. You know, a guy that 
I think what really stood out to me, and it wasn't even like a skill thing, but um, after his last game, you could just see him in, in Everett like bawling, like tears of sadness that he, my time yeah. in Everett's done. I think it just shows you how much he cares not only about the game, but about his teammates and, and the community he represents. So just Absolutely. those are the guys you want to root for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, he's just the perfect, uh, perfect kind of modern game, you know, fourth line, bottom six guy. Yeah, and Absolutely. a perfect fit to this culture that they're building. Too. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. So we got about five minutes left. So we're going to end on the lines. We always love talking about the lines. Uh, we alluded to the fourth line <laughs> a little bit. We're super pumped for uh, the double Ds. Um, with, with Dewey 1, Dewey 2, and Sturm. <laughs> Should be really fun. Um, Kevin Fiala is going to have offensive support as he's on the line with Matt Boldy and Freddie Goodrow, which whatever. Um, yeah. The Grief Squad is back. Greenway, Eric Schneck, Felino, And then... Uh, the best news we've probably gotten in the last like month, yep. uh, Kaprizov supposed to be back in lineup on Friday night if all goes according to plan. Uh, reunited with Matt Zuccarello and Ryan Hartman. So I mean, I think from a standpoint of, you know, the Fords are pretty much healthy, knowing mm-hmm. that they would never move Sturm up to the third line and that they wouldn't put Rossi in for Goudreau. In my mind, this is about as good as the lines can yeah. get, and I'm really excited for the next game because like. <laughs> Like logically, these are the best lines I could put together. I would do yeah. it differently, but knowing what Dean and Bill want, this is the best that I think they could do. So I'm pumped to see what yeah. this lineup can do. Yeah, one Russian machine never breaks, and, yep. and two, no. I think the line I'm almost most excited about. I mean, they're all great, but the fourth line, we we just talked about it, but I think I'm most excited about that one to see how they do. Yeah, no, I I agree, and I think you know, Brett, like you mentioned, that third line. I think Freddie Goudreau is just a necessarily necessary evil. You know, just he's kind of like Victor Ass last year. He's just going to be there for the next two years. Uh, he's, to be honest, Russo did say this, but he has been on the defensive side. He's you know he's always been fine, but he has been very good the last few games. Oh yeah, uh, two ways. Yep. So you know we don't, you know, kind of like Rask. You know, he just doesn't have much offense there. But at least he know, has think... speed though, which is he, he's yeah. basically yes, Victor yes. Rask with more speed and not quite as <laughs> yes. good of a shot. Which with uh, Kevin Fiala and Matt Bullard there is certainly a lot better fit than having Victor Rask there. Agreed. But no, I'm just really excited to have, you know, obviously we talked about it, have that the second line, the, uh, the, the, we call it the grief line back together. Because as we've seen, you know, for example, in that Toronto game, when they're on their winning streak a few years ago, when a lot of times when, when the rest of the team isn't playing very well, like the stars like Caprissa and Fiala aren't on, you know, I mean, we know that especially Marcus Foligno, Jules Eriksson, that that line can be the engine that drives this team at times. And I think, you know, getting Eck back so quickly and only missing basically three games is, uh, you know, I think that's huge just to get that line back because they do, I mean, we talk about a lot, it's kind of beating a dead horse, but they, they just do so much for this team that, uh, you know, maybe doesn't necessarily show up on a score sheet like the top line would, but I think it's, uh, I think that's, you know, I think that's just really key to have them, those guys back together. Absolutely. Well, the Wild are supposed to have two more games before we meet next. Anaheim at the X uh, on Friday at 7 o'clock. And then uh, a president's, or Martin Luther King Jr. Day, excuse me, matinee uh, at 2 p.m. on Monday. So to throw that on while at work here up on the TV, um, <laughs> which is weird. Yeah, we're going to play Colorado at 2 o'clock. Heck. And then three days <laughs> off. And then uh, back-to-backs, home-and-homes with Chicago finally. Um, the tire fire that is Montreal, three more days off. The Rangers and Islanders, uh, two more days off. Chicago again, and then uh, we'll see what happens over that um, 
Olympic slash All-Star break during February, and they have a ton of uh, extra time. But, uh, you know, a little bit softer part of the schedule. Anaheim has been a nice surprise, but you got Chicago twice. You have Montreal mm-hmm. mix in there. You know, you're getting healthy again. I think, you know, this is – so they're right the ship. They're going to – they're out of the swoon, They hopefully. Hopefully. Um, knock yeah, on hopefully. wood. But, <laughs> you know, the – as much as it sucked to not have this team playing, I think all things considered with the guys clearing COVID protocol, I think Russo tweeted this out today. Jewel Erickson Eck was injured for 25 days and only missed three games. Like, that's... Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, it's it's the best of a worst-case scenario, yeah, right? So exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds like Talbot's skating on his own, Spurgeon's skating on his own. Uh, Brodeen, it sounds like three to four weeks, unfortunately, with a broken hand. Um, and then uh, Buke said, I believe, is was six weeks last week. I think yeah. now he's down to five weeks. So pretty mm-hmm. close to healthy again. So we're getting there, inching our way, clawing our way back. So, yep. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week here. Um, Zeke, where can everyone find you when you work? Uh, you can follow me uh, on Twitter, as usual, at Zeke Boyat. And you can find my work uh, at uh, zonecoverage.com. And I also just quickly will be at the uh, the game on Friday, sitting in the upper level. So if any of you, anybody wants to stop by and say hi, feel free. All right. Justin? You can find me at the East 2004. You can find me at PreSafC with PreSaf Countdown. And you can find me at MNW Prospects at MNW Young Guns. I was wondering if you were going to do that. Uh, and then you can find me, as always, on Twitter, at B underscore Marsh 92. Be sure you are following the podcast account as well, at Sound of Hawkhorn. All one word on Twitter and Instagram. Wild back in action Friday night. Uh, we're back next Thursday. But until then, this has been another episode of Sound of Hawkhorn.